It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, we'll be joined by Ali Kambajani to discuss optimism from Rockets head coach Steven Silas headed into this year's training camp. We'll discuss the differences going into this season compared to the last two seasons for Steven Silas with this group of Rockets guys, some of the key differences in this core group of young guys, as well as some of the expectations that we have for Steven Silas on hand. We'll also discuss KJ Martin and his role moving forward with this Houston Rockets team. All that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. Joining us now, as he does each and every week, is none other than the X's and O's expert himself, our weekly co-host, Ali Khan Bijani, here to discuss optimism headed into the season for none other than one head coach, Steven Silas, who recently sat down with Houston Chronicle beat reporter for your Houston Rockets, Jonathan Fagan, discussing his thoughts, his feelings, his you know insight going into his third year as the Houston Rockets head coach. And I think this year, especially Alicon, there are a lot of things to be optimistic about if you're the Houston Rockets. It feels like there is, for the first time, a very clear-cut direction and very few questions. I mean, there's still plenty of questions, don't get me wrong. But there's no negative, like, lingering questions kind of looming over the franchise yeah. going into training camp, which is the first time that's happened during Steven Silas's tenure. I think most importantly, what leads to that excitement, Jackson, is the fact that you actually have players you're excited about. Potential is there. You have three rookies, four second-year players. You got Dacian Knicks. You got some other guys in the mix who are young third-year players. I mean, you have talent. I mean, that's the key here. You have talent on this team. Now it's time to see which talent can be maximized, which talent can be successful, and who's going to be a part of this core group moving forward. 
Now, the the link to the article, if you want to go read it yourself with your own pair of eyeballs, it's in the uh, episode description, so go click on that. Jonathan Fagan, as always, has done OG, phenomenal work. Himself, oh. goat himself, uh, everything. Uh, uh, great man well he's, he's one of the coolest people in the business and like please please subscribe to the chronicle if you're not already doing so he does so much great work i it's it's 100 worth the investment look go if you're not subscribed if you're a diehard rockets fan and you're not subscribed to the chronicle for fagan or subscribe to the athletic for kelly eco you're, you're doing fandom wrong i'm just gonna put that out there both of those guys deserve all the support you can give them because they put out consistently fantastic work so oh, by the way we're gonna have kelly on the show soon oh okay all right well that, that's a surprise for me as well no i like kelly kelly's my guy um helped him with his uh his podcast logo recently his new ecosystem so you know I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's rolling out over there he wanted he said he was wanting to talk a little soccer and i was like all right man if you're gonna talk soccer i'm into it not a fan. get get out of here <laughs> you don't do that kind of stuff all right all right back, back, back on manchester city by the way just for our listeners out there oh my god all right back back on track this is not a soccer podcast so one of the early things that was discussed between Jonathan Fagan and, and Steven Silas was the fact that this offseason, and this is something we've even discussed, right, is the Rockets have had pretty much everybody in lockstep working out, training together. And this started all the way back before. I mean, the Rockets season was over, but this was back during the playoffs last year, Ali Khan, in May when the playoffs were going on. The Rockets were still in town working out together, trying to get better, trying to better themselves. And that's not exactly something that you often find with a group that posted the worst record in the entire NBA in back-to-back -back seasons. You'd think there might be some, you know, dysfunction, some, you know, upset feelings, tired of all the losing, but this is a core group of young guys who all just want to get better, and it's not even just the young guys, right? You have guys like Eric Gordon, the, you know, the, the grizzled vet on the roster who is also taking part in these voluntary workouts trying to, you know, really grow and cultivate this cohesive team chemistry. I think the biggest thing, and, and Jonathan talked about in the article too, they were together the whole summer. And you talk about veteran groups, right? Working out together, doing these mini camps. We saw the Rockets do it with Chris Paul. Um, when they played together, they, they had those mini camps in the Bahamas. Um, I think it's a big deal to be able to work together and be able to grow together, work out together, build that chemistry off the court, but also play that three-on-three, -three, play that five-on-five, -five, do those diff different things that the Rockets were able to do um, this offseason. And oh, by the way, you had a guy, Alperin Shangun, and another guy, Usman Garuba, who both needed extra time to be able to continue to grow in their roles as in, or grow in their early careers. They both played some heavy minutes and also, you know, clutch time minutes for their teams internationally. So overall, I feel like everybody on this Rockets roster had some sort of moment this offseason where you can point to and say they can take the next step because they've had that work, they've been together, and they've been in situations where they've had to try to be successful in an in-game setting. Um, and so when I, look at all, when I look at all of this, that in itself gives me a lot of excitement because you normally do not see players getting together as early as April and staying in one city all the way through the course of the summer into training camp. Um, and even when they were gone, I'll give an example of Jalen Green, the Rockets and well, the, the Rockets, send members of their staff with Jalen when he was in the Philippines, when he was traveling, he worked out every single day. I don't think there was one day this summer where he was not working out. Same with Kevin Porter Jr. Same with all the other Rockets young guys. They are putting themselves, the team is helping them, but they're putting themselves in position to be able to grow and get better. And that's all you would want to see if you're a Rockets fan.
Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I also know that even overseas for Alper and Shingun and Usman Gruba, they each had a, a trainer kind of representative from the Houston Rockets with them while they were, you know, stationed overseas with their respective national teams playing in Eurobasket just because they wanted to make sure that, hey, we want to make sure that these guys are staying up to up to date with what we think is the expectations are for what they need to be working on. Clearly, Alpi and Garuba were playing high-level basketball in Eurobasket, but having another representative from the Rockets there to kind of keep them focused, keep them, you know, keep the, I guess, eyes on the road further down the line for what the Rockets are trying to achieve this season is a very big thing. I do have a question, though, Alicon here, and this is something that I wasn't aware of. Are there Are there rules against, like, the ability to play like I guess fully sanctioned like five on five practices and having coaches involved and stuff during stretches of the offseason because there were points in the article that Steven Silas talked about being able to be around for some of these pickup games some of these practices these scrimmages but being limited to only three players and one coach at a time or only being limited to just watching the pickup games not actively coaching are there actual rules in place for that because that wasn't something I was aware of yeah there there are rules in place and um Coaches take that stuff seriously. The NBA takes it very seriously. And that's why it's really important for you to have a on-the-ground developmental staff every single day in the gym over the summer, especially when you're a young team like this, to be able to take advantage of those three-on-three situations or the th- three three players with the one coach. Um, the, the way the Rockets do it is they have certain times of the day where the young players will come in. So let's say it's like early in the morning where Lucas will be, John Lucas will be there in the morning with this certain group. And another co- another assistant coach or a player development coach may be there later in the day. They take rotations. They work with different players on different skills, different different situations. So that's how the players are getting themselves ready. Josh Christopher talked about this too, right? Over over this offseason, he's talked about the fact that he's grown in different roles. He's grown as a shooter. He's grown as a pick and roll player. All those things because he's working in situational in situational sets and drills. Uh, with the coach, with the player development coaching staff over the summer at different points in the day. Some people like to come in at night. I think it's just up to the player's preference. As long as they're getting the work in, there will always be a coach there who's there to observe and be a part of it. And the one thing about Steven Salas is Steven Salas was in Houston for pretty much the entire summer. And so he saw everything that happened. And now that he's going to training camp and now they're having his coaches retreat before the start of training camp, they have an idea of what these players are like currently, how they've grown over the summer. And it'll allow you to maybe start brainstorming a little bit about what the potential rotation uh, can be with this team this season. What are some of the key differences rolling into this season as opposed to the last two years? Some of the, you know, non-super negative lingering question marks that kind of plagued the Rockets these past two seasons that Steven Silas doesn't have to deal with this year. Plus, maybe some expectations for what we have for him for his third stint here in Houston. We're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchup news, podcasts, including this year's opening week's games, and so much more. BetOnline has you covered for everything you could possibly need. They've got you for MLB postseason. They've got you for NBA, which is right around the corner. They've got MMA, boxing, UFC, all the fighting odds. You name it, they've got you covered over at BetOnline. In fact, right now. You can take a look at who the odds-on favorite are to win the title this next season in the NBA. Right now, the Boston Celtics leading the way at plus 550. The Golden State Warriors and Milwaukee Bucks tied for second place at plus 700. And then rounding out the top five, you got the Brooklyn Nets and the LA Clippers at plus 750 apiece. So for all of that and more odds, head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action available to you. Bet online. 
It's where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, we mentioned it early on in the episode, but the important thing about this year for Steven Silas rolling into year three, here's the head coach for the Houston Rockets, is this feels like the first year where there isn't this lingering turmoil, gigantic, like, looming question mark over the organization rolling into the season. His first year here in Houston, it was the whole James Harden debacle, right? Trying to figure out, is is James Harden going to stay? Is he going to go? Is he bought in? Like, what's happening, right? And that was a whole thing. It dragged on throughout the preseason, throughout the first nine games of the year, and then the Rockets were faced with the decision to move on from him. The situation was crazy, and it, it all just fell apart. So that happened, and then the subsequent year, they were tasked with the whole John Wall situation, right? Like, is John Wall going to play? Do they just bench him? What's that whole situation look like? And kind of in tandem with that was the idea of, okay, well, now we're just completely throwing Kevin Porter Jr. into the deep end, and he's now the point guard. It feels like this year, the direction and the identity of the team are together as one. Like, just it feels like everything's on the up and up. It feels like... Steven Silas has a firm grasp on what the identity of the team is going to be going into camp this year. And I think that it cannot be overstated how important that is for a head coach to have that level of certainty going into camp, going into preseason and and to start the regular season. The key thing for me, Jackson, is their, their structure. And as much as Steven Silas has been in the hot seat or has had question marks about his decision making, all these things, he has structure this year. This is a chance for him to be able to put out a lineup, a offense, and a defense that gives Rockets fans, and most importantly, this Rockets front office, a chance to figure out what can he do with this team? What can he do with a group of talented young players? Um, so that that's what I'm personally really excited about to seeing. There's one quote, Jackson, from the story that I want to, I want to point out. And I'm going to, I'm going to quote it. Uh, um, Stephen Silas said this to Jonathan Fagan. Quote, we're trying to make it when – where when we're playing off of misses, we're organized as far as where guys are supposed to be and how they can play well. And then off makes, when we're running more set plays, how can we play to our strengths? How can we get Jalen Green playing downhill? How can we get Scoot off the ball and then get it back? Stuff like that, we can answer in a retreat. So some context, that's, uh, that's the end of the quote. Some context, the retreat that Steven Salas is referring to is that they're going to, there's a coaches retreat that's currently going on where all the assistant coaches are getting together to meet and kind of go over the team, discuss like, you know, just common things like practices, schedules, everything, but also go into the nuts and bolts of what they want the foundational structure to be for this team offensively and defensively. And I think what Steven just said there was uh, what Coach Salas just said there is very important. And I'm going to break it down in two ways. First is they want to play off of misses we're organized as well as guys are supposed to be and how they can play well. When you're, when you're off coming off a miss as a young player, it's easy to know where you're going because you're just filling a role. You're filling a space. Oh, I'm going to the corner to take the, the defender away from the paint. 
oh, I'm going to the slot. I'm taking the defender away from the paint, or I'm kind of drawing a multiple defender away from the corner, whatever it is. You're, you're, you're put, you know where to go in transition. It's much easier to run and gun and go and get easy offense. And so what does that come down to? That comes down to playing better defense, getting the defensive rebound and doing all those things. So that's first and foremost, that's something that's really interesting that they, they want to be able to do that. But he also said something else. Off makes, we're running more set plays. Off makes, when they give up makes defensively, they want to run more set plays. So what does that mean? The last few years, for, for those X's and O's listeners out there, the Rockets ran a lot of basic actions. And what I mean by that is they ran an action versus uh, – they, they, they ran an action, not a specific set or play. And so they're running the basic action, like 21, where um, a ball handler brings it up the side and another ball handler comes and they pitch it to each other and they go into whatever action. It was very basic vanilla foundation and allowed, allowed the players to be able to play and read and react, which is what you want. You want them to eventually read and react. I was I was waiting for the buzzword read and react because that's that's what that's that's been my takeaway from that, Stephen Silas. That's, been, that's been a Rockets that's been a Rockets buzzword since Kevin McHale days. I know that. <laughs> um, but what 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 is important about that stadium by Stephen Silas is now they're going to start adding more layers into their sets. They're going to be running a lot more of those variations. Okay, you're going to take away that you're going to switch the initial action on twenty one series. Let me go back on the weak side and do something. Okay, you're going to do this. Let me do that. So I think now you're going to start seeing counters. You're going to start seeing adjustments. You're going to start seeing those heavy layered plays. We saw with Dallas when Steven Salas coached the offense there. And I think having Will Dunn here and Mahmoud Abdel-Fatah, who are also very good offensive coaches, will help them a lot. Another, another thing I want to bring up, last, uh, two more things real quick. Jalen and Scoop. Talks about how he wants Jalen to attack downhill. Teams, just telling you now, teams are going to take away his right hand. He is going to have a hard time driving the ball right so what can steven salas do knowing that defenses will take that away a year a film under his uh, under their belt to scout with a scouting report what can they do well they can do a lot more high pick and roll or they can run a lot more dribble handoffs with shangu and allowing jalen to get to the middle and get back to the right side which is what he likes so i think we're going to see a lot more set plays that involve dribble handoffs with alper and shangu lastly kevin porter jr getting uh, giving up the ball and getting it back very interesting, very, very interesting. I think that's the most important part. Why? What did Kevin Porter Jr. shoot from three last year in catch and shoot threes, Jackson? 48.2% league leading. He is really good on catch and shoot. And he, you know, he's talked about it. He talked about it with us in the media. He's talked about it over the summer with various other media. He is accepting of this role. He knows he's good at it. He knows he wants Jalen to shine. And then also Kevin Porter Jr. wants to shine himself. They're working on this balance. It showed itself those last six games. He's going to do that. And I think the Rockets will put him in positions. Well, they'll bring him off the ball and they'll kind of bring him off a drag. Or they may run specific actions where he gives up the ball, goes in the corner, and if nothing is going, then he becomes a weak side option to get the ball back and get the offense going. So I think the Rockets have a foundation now. Steven Sells has a vision now, and it's important, you know, to be able to see how Kevin Porter Jr. especially does in this vision. But that's what I'm most excited about, and that was my biggest takeaway from this. The coaches are going to this knowing that they're foundational pieces, Kevin Porter Jr. offensively um, with, with his ability to, to, to create because he got better, especially with turnovers last year. His turnovers decreased as the season went on. And then Jalen Green being able to drive effectively creates so much pressure when he drives. You want to be able to maximize that. So the fact that Steven is already talking about that and making that a priority, I think it's a really exciting thing for Rockets fans. And I, I love it because – and I've got – 
couple, two things here. I, I love it firstly because this is something that I kind of figured would be the direction, the next logical step for this team with some of the acquisitions, some of the players they brought in in Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason. It, it, again, seemingly overnight, it felt like they they just raised the floor of their defensive potential overnight by adding a guy like Jabari Smith to to this core. And to be able to have those opportunities, right, to get out in transition, to be able to play off of misses, which is exactly what you just, you know, spent a few minutes there highlighting, you need to be able to get quality defensive stops. You need to be able to close out a defensive possession by securing the defensive rebound. And I do think that we're going to see a just completely different version of this Houston Rockets team with the fact that they'll have Alpi anchoring the five spot, Jabari Smith Jr. in the four spot. They have gone from 6'4", Jayshon Tate, and 6'10", Christian Wood, to 6'10", Jabari Smith Jr., and 6'10", Alpi, who is a lot bigger than Christian Wood in the front court over one offseason. That's going to help them out a lot just from a defensive standpoint closing out possession strong and kind of igniting those transition opportunities because, and that leads into my second point here is I do think that there have been some question marks about, right? The identity of this Rockets team, especially offensively kind of, you know, Steven Silas was marketed as this, you know, offensive guru in the same, you know, same vein as like a, you know, a Mike D'Antoni type, right? And he had a lot of success with Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. And we've been kind of waiting to see that vision really come to fruition for the Houston Rockets. However, I will say that the, the vision is still very much there. This is an organization that is still very focused on playing highly efficient basketball. They still prioritize threes and shots at the rim. They still they led the league in, I believe it was free throw attempts and or free throw rate this past season. They just didn't convert enough of them when they actually got to the free throw line. They had so many terrible free throw shooters on the team. But they're getting high quality, high percentage looks at the rim, at the free throw line, from behind the arc. They're just... You know, they've got a young group of guys who are all still growing and developing and refining their games. So the shots don't always go in, right? But the the shot profile of this Houston Rockets team is damn good for a team that ranked dead last in wins two subsequent seasons in a row. So the the recipe is there. The recipe for success is there. And I want to see, hopefully, them take that next step this season and start, you know, not adding too many wins. They still need to be, you know, a bottom five team to have a shot at Wimbenyama. But, you know, right, making those stri- and making those positive strides in the right direction as far as development is concerned. There was one other quote here, Ali Khan, that stood out to me, and it's because I- I'm very curious to see how Steven Silas is going to handle what is effectively a roster crunch that this group of guys is under. He's got so many different players. I mean, he's got arguably 13 to 14 guys who all have a claim at a rotation spot on this Rockets roster. And you can't play 13 to 14 guys on a nightly basis. You, you can barely play a 10-man rotation on a nightly basis unless your name is Mike Budenholzer. So it, Silas said it's going to be very, very competitive for minutes and for a spot in the playing groups, and that's a good thing. And I wonder, and that, that was just the direct quote, I wonder if that level of competitiveness, right, if that means that guys like a Ty Ty Washington and Atari Eason might be able to play their way into a spot earlier in the rotation rather than just going based off some, you know, idea of seniority or, oh, this guy was here first, so he's going to get, you know, a guaranteed spot in the rotation. I am very curious to see how Steven Silas and the rest of the coaching staff ultimately decide how they want to balance and divvy up minutes amongst all these different Rockets players because, again, there's so many guys on this roster who have a claim to a rotation spot, who have a lot of talent that Rockets fans desperately want to see on the floor, but at the end of the day, you can't give those minutes to everybody. And I think the biggest question mark of that group of guys is actually K.J. Martin. 
And we're going to talk about him coming up. Has K.J. Martin shown enough that he should have a spot cemented in the Rockets rotation? Has he been around enough this past offseason for the voluntary workouts and such that he feels bought into what this Houston Rockets team is trying to build? We're going to talk about that in just one moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, wherever you get your pods, check out this show. We're also on YouTube. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Locked On Rockets YouTube. Can't miss it. So, KJ Martin, the curious case of KJ Martin, Ali Khan. Look, we know from an earlier report this summer that KJ hasn't been around the team nearly as much for these voluntary workouts, you know, involved with the team. And this came, you know, directly on the heels of his father's trade request, right? Kenyon Martin Sr. not happy with his son's role within the Rockets organization. Obviously, things have been, to our knowledge, things have been amicable between the Rockets front office, Rafael Stone and, and KJ Martin. There's an open line of communication, but there are obvious concerns about whether or not he has a, a clear-cut, defined, prominent role on this Houston Rockets team moving forward, especially when you have two clear-cut front court pieces and Jabari Smith Jr. and Alperin Shingoon, who are very clearly ahead of him in the rotation. You just locked down Jay Sean Tate to a three-year deal. You brought in Tari Eason this past offseason, and there are you know sky-high hopes for his potential further down the line, even if he's not in the rotation right away at the start of the season. There are very legitimate, sizable question marks about K.J. Martin's role with this Rockets team and his future with this Rockets team. And I wonder, in your eyes, has he done enough in his two years here in Houston to to have cemented himself a role? Is it unfair to K.J. that he doesn't have a guarantee of a spot in the rotation or of playing time at this point in his career? Well, let's look at, let's look at the situations his first and second year. And there were injuries. He came in, and what did he do, Jackson? He did I mean, he, 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 he did his job, and he, he, yeah. he flourished. He, he looked good. The, Steven Silas has put him at the three, the four, and the five. I personally would have never considered K.J. Moore in the three than his rookie season when they played him next to Christian Wood and Kelly Olenek. I was like, this is interesting. But that, that's the point I'm trying to make. He's never had that consistent role. So going into it, I think he deserves a consistent role. We've talked about this a few weeks ago, what I think of KJ Martin, and how good he can be. But what is his role? What is his position? He's a wing. Is he going to be a five? Is he going to be a that's, four? And that's that's the problem, right? Is he doesn't he's he's a little bit too small than you would a little bit smaller than you would like to play the four at, at a consistent level, right? He's an undersized four, but he doesn't in two years of game time, right? He hasn't quite developed the skills that you would want. He's gotten better, but hasn't quite refined the skills enough to where you feel, you know, super comfortable about him playing exclusively wing minutes as like a three because the ball handling isn't quite there all the way. The ability to attack off the catch is kind of sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. The three point shooting has been relatively consistent, but it's still maybe quite not quite to a place where you're like, all right, we feel great about him playing the three full time. You know, for me, I don't like player comparisons too much. 
But one person in the NBA whose career I'd like to see him emulate in terms of the type of role he's played on teams is Derrick Jones Jr. Um, it, playing that four, coming in, being a rotation player, but a, a plus rotation player where he can eventually play closing minutes if he needs to or just play heavy 20, 25 minutes if he needs to. I think, to me, that's a great role for KJ. And I I really like KJ's game. I think with his athleticism, the second jump, how unique that is, what he what he's trying to grow and develop as, I think he can be, become a, a good player in this league. Um, and it's just going to be about whether he gets time. Let's be honest here, Jackson, not just about KJ, this whole competitive thing, right? You have all these players who can play the wing. So let's say you have Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, and you got Al P at the five, right? Those are like kind of like position locks in terms of like we know what their positions are on the court. Jay Sean Tate, Eric Gordon, Garrison Matthews, KJ Martin. Um, who else? I'm, I'm missing a few others here. Tari um, Eason, Jabari Smith. Yeah. So that's a lot of players to play in basically the three and the four. How are you going to give them playing time? This goes back to that conversation we had where is Tari Eason really going to play as much as many Rockets fans would like? And then it comes back to the question you asked me and you brought up the last segment, the competitiveness thing. If it's truly a competition, can Tari Eason at the same level, let's say everybody at the same level, they have to earn their jobs. Can Tari Eason earn a rotation job over Jay Sean, Eric, and um and kj personally i think just based off of what i've seen the last two years like i said it's, it's a different season different situation you have more talent so it's easier to structure but just based off what i've seen the last two seasons i don't think steven salos will choose tari eason over kj eric and jay sean which then leads me to believe that kj will have a role now if that's the case how many minutes is he going to see i think a big big thing for kj to see if he can truly be a good rotation player in this league and part of this core, he needs to play 20, 25 minutes a night. And I just don't know if he's actually going to get that much playing time. I, 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 can't, I do not currently see an avenue for KJ it's Martin to get minutes. anywhere. There's there, 20 there, minutes, right? Yeah. And, and you had you had a great show with Paulo, and Paulo and you, guys, you talked about the rotation. I mean, just do you feasibly see – opportunities for him to be able to do it i i just I, I really i don't right it's it's so there there is a they've got basically one too many forwards or one too many wings and one too many guards in this current rotation and if you were to remove and they like to play them in both roles yes they, they, they play guards and guards will play wings which just goes back to the point kj will play the three the four and sometimes the five yep and, so and my question is structure this year going to help and my, here, here, and this to me is one of the big kind of question marks that I have for Steven Silas and maybe potentially a, a big test for Silas this year. Is he going to be glued to a set, you know, nine, 10, or even God forbid, an 11 man rotation, or will he be willing to move guys in and out of the rotation as he sees fit, right? Maybe one night, it doesn't make sense for Usman Garuba to get the backup five minutes, right? Maybe it doesn't, the matchups don't make sense. The lineup wouldn't make any sense. And the Rockets would be better off just running LP for his stretch of minutes. And then some combination of Jabari and Tate and KJ as the backup five after LP gets it, you know, when Alpi's getting his breathers, maybe that's the situation. Maybe one lineup calls for more shooting. Maybe one night calls for more defense. So they go more 
more defense oriented. If yeah. Steven Silas can be a little bit more flexible with his lineups and pick and choose where he's going to play guys, I think that could have better long-term benefit and ramifications than trying to stick to a, you know, a, a true, you know, tried and true, like, all right, this is the 10 man rotation. It's going to be rigid. We're going to stick with these minutes on, you know, every single night. And that to me is going to be the big test for Steven Silas, right? Because maybe there's a lineup where, Garrison Matthews doesn't make sense out there, right? And so maybe Garrison gets a DNP one night, but that's the night where KJ gets some minutes at the three. And I think that could go a long way in keeping everybody on the roster happy rather than trying to squeeze it to where there's guys getting, you know, you're only getting 10 to 12 minutes a night because you're trying to play anywhere from 10 to 12 different guys on any given evening. So The, K- the KJ question leads me to my, the question that I don't think people are talking about with Steven Salas this year. It's a good. It's a good way to talk about it. Steven Salas, I think, is I think very highly. I think he's a good coach. This season is going to tell me a lot about where the Rockets are in their in their timeline, also where Steven Salas is in terms of his coaching timeline. You're you're you have eight players who are first or second year players, and then you have a a group of veterans here and there. How do you balance player development? and giving time to these players who are young with also trying to compete and win and build a culture where you're setting a lineup, you're doing it based off of matchups, you're doing these things. That's that's why I'm not a coach. That's why you're not a coach. That's why Steven Salas is the coach. It's tough, but let's see how he does. I think, to me, this first two, three weeks of the season will, get, will tell us a lot about what the Rockets' approach will be this season. And also how Steven Salas will handle the situation of teetering between player development and also trying to win and establish a culture of winning. Because you're going into an offseason where you're going to have cap space. And then let's see what happens there, right? But if you're going to go into an offseason and you want to add a good player, you want to establish a culture. But how do you balance that with all these young players and player development, even for your third-year players like KJ Martin? To me, that's my most important question for Steven Salas heading into the season. It's definitely a tough situation to balance for Steven Silas, for all the players on the roster. It's 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 an unfortunate shake, you know, uh, for, you know, unfortunate hand dealt for a guy like KJ Martin who has flashed a lot of potential and has a ton of talent. But I do think that when you, in a vacuum, you compare him to some of the other, you know, the wings, the other, you know, forwards on the roster. And I think from a skills perspective, I think I'd probably take any of the other forwards at this point, which again is not necessarily a disservice to KJ Martin and his skill set. He's great at what he does. He plays his role to a T when he's on the floor. He's done everything the team has asked him to do, both on and off the court. But I just think you know his time may be coming here to where you know it, there just may not be a role for him of 20, 25 minutes a night, which is what he basically wants. And if that's not the case, then he may be out the door sooner rather than later. But of course, we'll have you covered for all of that and how that entire situation pans out as we navigate preseason, as we navigate training camp, as we roll our roll our way into the regular season. Alicon, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. A few quick things about the next few weeks and few months. Um, Jackson, next Monday is media day. Next Tuesday is the start of training camp. And I will be in Lake Charles for that. And I will have video and all sorts of fun stuff from being there. So it'll be a Why that is important is now we will slowly get back into film study. We will get back into film room. We will get into telestration. We, we have a lot of goodies for our listeners. Um, heading into the season, a lot of surprises coming up. But just know, thank you for being patient with us throughout this offseason as we're trying to balance, making sure we're keeping you informed without 
players playing games. But now that games are starting and we're starting to get film, you can bet that film studies, film room will be back. We'll be analyzing. We will be teaching. We'll be talking about all things X's and O's um, starting next week since training camp is getting going. But just appreciate your patience throughout um, these last few months. And Jackson, I'm excited. We're back to X's and O's. We're back to film room stuff. Um, we're back to being able to talk about things that we see on the court. So it's an exciting time. That's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube. Just go to YouTube. Be sure to search Locked On Rockets. Like, comment, and subscribe. Remember, for the house, for the team, for the algorithm, go comment on the show. It helps out a ton. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.